one of the principles of, of wealth building that I talked about before is the principle of supply and demand. You can make a lot of money if you figure out where there's there's high demand for something, but there's low supply of people who have the talent and ability to supply that demand. And there's tons and tons of examples like that. But uh, my interview today with Terrence Maiden, CEO of Russell Glenn, um, was a perfect example um, of that, how he broke into the commercial real estate industry here in um, Dallas, Texas, um, as a um, young African-American, um, which, you know, that, um, there's not a ton of, ton of them in, in the nation, but definitely not in, in DFW. But he's able to break in, make a name for himself, do some, some major deals, and is now working on the project Reimagine Redbird. If you're out here in the southern part of Dallas County, uh, you heard about it. So we talk about that. Um, talk about uh, how he got there. Talk about the development and his plans uh, for the future. But great interview. Uh, and again, great example of supply and demand principle. If you have not shared this podcast with uh, any of your friends, people you like, and you think I've, but you, and you've learned something from it, uh, shame on you. <laughs> Get out there and share it. Um, uh, give it a review if you can on uh, iTunes or Spotify. And it's powered by Stonehill Wealth Management, uh, my investment, my registered investment advisory firm. Uh, if you want any more information on that, you can check out my website, stonehillwealthmanagement.com. All right, y'all, we are back with another episode. And what I'm going to do is I got to do two intros because I'm actually doing this podcast for the Cedar Hill Chamber Competitive Edge podcast and for Ask Philip. It's a special episode. Our guest today uh, is Terrence Maiden, mm-hmm. CEO of Russell Glenn. Right. Hey, I appreciate you coming on out, man. Hey, thanks, sir, uh, having me. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely. So so we'll, we'll, we'll go right into it because a lot of folks watching – and the big reason why we're doing this with uh, my podcast and the Cedar Hill Chamber is a lot of stuff that's coming down south um, you're involved in and mm-hmm. or know about. Sure. And, and I'm, I'll go off script for a second and just talk about, um, you know, the legend and then you demystify it, right? <laughs> so, 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 so here's the legend. I got, I got a couple of buddies in, in commercial real estate and they're like, they're like, man, it's a bunch of guys. That don't want to invest down south, sure. Um, and then they, and they say, but you know, um, you know, Terrence is the one in there, like getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, if they think about doing it, Terrence is the one they call, mm-hmm. right? Because he knows what's going on. Like that, that's pretty true, right? Or is that well, true? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable about some of the corridors uh, in the southern half of the city that are really starting to take off from an investment development standpoint. And, you know, it's, it's really exciting uh, for the city of Dallas as a whole, but in particular for, you know, Southern Dallas and some of the uh, surrounding uh, communities uh, with uh, what's taking place at Redbird, of course, and then some of these other nodes, if you will, uh, of, of development that's happening, you know, close. Uh, there's, there's a lot happening uh, over in the Cedars area. So, you know, it's an exciting time for the southern half of the city, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so you grew up here? Grew up here, uh, Oak Cliff, went to uh, Dale Turner, to Atwell, to Carter, 
and then uh, my twin brother and I went to TCU, played football, and came back uh, to to a city that we love so much, you know. And, and it's just very nice to uh, be here uh, in you know in the southern half of the city and been able to make an impact. You know, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. What, so so how, what did you always know you wanted to get in? commercial real estate or how'd that happen? You know, sometimes uh, you find your passion and sometimes your passion finds you. And so when I finished from TCU, I was really trying to figure it out, you know, uh, graduating and really didn't know if I wanted to go into the NFL uh, and try out for that or to get into banking. And so a TCU alumni, Dale Ladner, uh, really uh, opened my eyes up to commercial real estate and thought I could do well. And, you know, I owe a lot of credit to him and Stephen Koslick for taking a, a chance on me as a young black guy coming out of college. And this is an industry that there's not many minorities in it. And so uh, they took a chance on me and it was a, a, an industry that I just really developed a passion for and uh, began to really find my way, if you will. And so I've been at it for 20 years, so it's, it's been a... It's been a long run, but, you know, I really kind of feel like at this point I'm starting to hit my stride and really figuring out really my purpose, you know, for, for being in the industry. Yeah, because as, as I understand it, you, know, you, you have like, um, you have New York that's like known for Wall Street, mm -hmm. but then Dallas, as I know it, this is a developer city, <laughs> right? And, and, and like you mentioned, particularly from, from the, and I don't, I don't know that industry well, but from the little knowledge that I have, like you look out and it's like not many of us, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's I, I hear your name, you know, I hear Rob Washington on the financing, mm -hmm. you know, you might hear um, uh, on the on the management side, uh, a light skin cat name, uh, he, I know you know him. Uh, he got a daughter that owns a gym. Uh, uh, Roland Parrish? No, 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 he, uh, he does, uh, I don't remember his name, but he, you know, Life Game Cat got a daughter. She is a social media uh, mm -hmm. person, has a gym. Uh, if you say name, I probably would recognize but, 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 but other than y'all, like, I, you know, I'm talking about playing at a, sure. at, at, at a similar level as the, sure. you know, other guys. It's not a, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's, a, it's a very competitive landscape. And so as I uh, mentor a lot of people that are coming into the industry, it's kind of like having a, you know, a stick to itness to it and being willing to, you know, be able to understand that real estate has its ebb and flows to it mm -hmm. and to be able just to stay the course. And it is it is a very difficult and tedious uh, uh, industry to be in, uh, but also one that if you, if you can uh, leverage it, you can make a huge impact in different communities. And I, I think the industry wants that. Mm -hmm. They want people from different walks of life and different upbringings to bring that sort of mental collateral to the table so people can better understand the different dynamics of these areas too. And and, and, and I, I, was, I was saying it up to ask a question, but I got to also avoid a text message. Mark Allen, I didn't forget about you either. Mr. Mr. Multifamily. Um, <laughs> but, but no, so, so, so given that, like how, how, how did you, um, and then we'll get to technical questions, but how did you figure out what make your way mm -hmm. um, in the industry where there weren't a lot of like you had to literally, I mean, you had help from guys that, that wanted to help you, but, um, you know, how did you, you know, build a, you know, what I'm trying to say, how did you, it's a big relationship oriented business it where it's really tight knit and they don't let you in unless you <clears throat> provide a lot of value. So what was the value you provided to, to make your way into the, 
Well, that's a, that's, that's a loaded question. That's a really good question, too. Um, you know, f for me, I valued relationships. And so I knew that one of the ways that I was going to continue to grow within the industry is people being uh, understanding my background and my passion and, and my desire to do well in the industry. So I networked extremely hard. Also, <clears throat> I discovered my niche where I think a lot of real estate folks, they either focus, okay, I'm an industrial guy or I'm an office, uh, you know, real estate professional or retail. I started out in retail and as I kind of evolved, I said, well, I'm not going to put myself in a sort of industry box. I want to focus on geographical areas. So I want to focus on areas where there's a need for revitalization, uh, areas where there's a, a, a lack of amenities, uh, similar to what we're doing at Redbird and you know what we did at Glen Oaks, which was a grocery desert. So focusing on some of these communities that have been overlooked for so long and seeing how I can you know bring value. Now candidly, it's, it's a lot of more hard work. <laughs> it's, it's really it's really tough to get people to buy in and support. You're going against the market. You're right? going against the market. That's exactly right. But if you, if you can develop a, a strong track record and, and a level of trust uh, with, with with folks, they they eventually buy into it. And so it's, it's it takes a little bit more time. But I think the the double ROI, which I call it, which is the return on investment, but also the return on people experiences. Uh, it could be a win-win for these communities. And so that's kind of the arena that I'm kind of playing in right now. Mm -hmm. And we'll see kind of where uh, where the market kind of takes me. And, and so now, now we're walking towards the part that we're getting to. But when, when I moved here nine years ago, um, let's talk about some of the deals you've done and, and move up to what you're doing now, right? So you, you did do the Panera Bread. You brought Panera Bread. Yeah, or, or so, yeah, Panera. So uh, I started out, uh, at Woodmont, which is kind of like a regional shopping center development group. And then I had uh, corporate real estate experience. So I was the director of real estate at Panda Express. And then that uh, evolved into me going to being the director of real estate for Panera. And so I actually covered the entire central United States mm -hmm. on the 11 state region. So I opened up about 90 cafes, oh, wow. uh, which was <laughs> a, a lot of traveling, uh, but a lot of and an opportunity to really begin to understand a lot of other different markets. So I could go to visit like a Kansas City and seeing what's happening there, what's, what's, what, what makes different projects successful. And if you think about Panera, it's, it's kind of one of those concepts that can, can fit in, in so many different communities, you know, and it's, it could be really an anchor to a community because it's a gathering place, mm -hmm. you know, it's a place where people can come grab coffee or, or lunch. And so that experience was very valuable. Uh, not only did it open my eyes up to all these other different markets, but then <clears throat> it provided me a level of uh, opportunities to interface with corporate tenants that wouldn't typically meet with the typical developer. So like, for example, I could take a meeting with Target or Walmart or Kohl's because I was with Panera, uh, they would take my call. Mm -hmm. So when you're on the development side, it's a little bit more, it's more a little bit, those calls uh, don't come back as quickly. So that, that was an advantage too, that I think, you know, everything, in my belief, everything kind of works together for the good 
And so I think that was uh, a really critical part of, of my career and kind of helped me to evolve to the uh, current property. So uh, I transitioned from Panera to join current properties where Frank Mialopoulos is the owner of that company and really came in as more as a development uh, VP and really managing you know, most of our assets and from a development standpoint and, and leasing. And that was a that was a great experience too, because uh, Frank has been known as a pioneer developer, and he has this extraordinary uh, vision for real estate. And so I was able to glean a lot from him, and it was a, a great platform me to a pl platform for me to uh, launch Russell Glen. And so that's kind of what I'm doing now. Uh, Russell Glen is the name of the street that I grew up on. Okay, okay. And so for the last uh, six months, we've been. Uh, really uh, laser being focused on uh, reimagining Redbird, but ultimately we want to identify other markets that are similar to w what we're doing at Redbird and see if we can replicate that in other cities or even in other places across Dallas. So, so what, is, what is the vision for Reimagine Redbird? Like what, what do you currently have in place and what's, what's coming that you can share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, I mean, we last year was a great year for us. Uh, we broke ground on a, um, the first of its kind and then in, in, in kind of that area is a, a luxury 300 unit multifamily project would, would have a structured garage so we're really excited about that mm -hmm. we're able to uh, finalize an Inca lease with Parkland to do a uh, primary care uh, regional medical center uh, then also with UT Southwestern uh, it's going to do a huge 150,000 square feet uh, regional uh, medical center uh, specialty care, really uh, with an emphasis on diabetes and cancer, which is um, two prevalent sort of uh, uh, you know, diseases that, mm -hmm. that affect the, the African-American community. So we're excited about that. Chime, which is a company out of Atlanta, opened up a regional call center. That's a guy out of, yeah, out of Atlanta. He, out he Atlanta. came to church one, one time. Yeah, Concord. Yeah, Mark Wilson and his family, uh, they uh, have been a really good fit what we're trying to do because they're providing jobs and so they're uh, they'll be hiring up to 500 people and expanding to open up uh, to hire up to a thousand people and they're going to take about a hundred thousand square feet so we're really excited to have them there the city of dallas has been an extraordinary partner throughout this process and invested heavily in the redevelopment so they provide us with the economic incentive grant uh, to really uh, go towards underground infrastructure, regrading the site, putting in the street grid, and so that was $25 million. Mm -hmm. That was a, a really nice inflection uh, of, of capital mm -hmm. to help us really get started. And so there's other things that are happening, but ultimately we, we're going to reimagine the mall as an urban mixed-use development environment where there's restaurants, you know, we have Marriott Courtyard is coming in with the conference center. It's a hotel, hmm. uh, residential, healthcare, office, education, and retail. So, so if I'm imagining it, I know, I know it may not be exactly like this, but I went up to, um, I had a meeting like in Plano, first of all, at the tollway, and it was where that, what's that place where like Warby Parker, uh, they got the, um, 
the rework and everything. Yeah, uh, is it the uh, it's like Legacy something? Legacy West or yeah, Legacy, legacy West? Because it's one Legacy on the right of the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. Legacy one, West. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Legacy West. Yeah, yeah similar. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna have the same. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but the but vision is yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. But when I went there, I was like, oh, it's pretty dope. You, know, you got the offices, you got the yeah. restaurants, you got a hotel if you need to. Yeah. I thought I, I was like, I like that. Yeah, that's. I mean, we definitely aspire uh, to to get there. And I mean, we're having some meaningful conversations with groups that are going to be really, really good and attractive for the mm-hmm. community. And so ultimately, we want to, you know, we're, we're, when you when you come in and do transformational redevelopment like the, uh, the magnitude of Redbird, you have to be a little bit more sensitive to gentrification mm-hmm. and not pushing out, you know, people that have been in the community so long. And then also being being careful not to push out tenants and people that have, you know, been invested in the community mm-hmm. with their business for, for many years. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a fine balance mm-hmm. and trying to find that right balance of, of tenant mix is, uh, it, it, it's, it's a fun process, but it's a lot of work to think through. Well, but I bet that's a unique skill that you have because, you know, you know being a wealth manager, I have clients who have money who do deals, mm-hmm. and I and I hear about, you know, and I won't name any groups, but you might you might hear about a group from the north side of town that has zero history in the south side of town, and and scoops up some properties that nobody knew about mm-hmm. that have money, mm-hmm. and 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 creates media about them coming down here to save, mm-hmm. you know, so and I'm like, like. Like I don't understand this world, but that was just whoever your marketing director was. That was terrible. Because you pissed off everybody. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Yeah, and so and so, you know, being sensitive to that could have caused them a whole lot of, you know, because now folks, I'm like, you know, you you're not on the radar anymore. Folks really right. like stop you, and that sure. can't be. That sounds expensive. That's that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, but the one thing that uh, when Peter Brodsky. Uh, originally bought the mall and, and brought me in as uh, one of his co-developers. Uh, we were really focused on having a lot of community meetings and really getting buy-in and support and also feedback from what the community really wanted, what they would support, um, the amenities that they felt was most needed in the community. And so that that went a long way with shaping mm-hmm. you know, how we design uh, the project and some of the the things that we're trying to bring to the table. So, uh, but to your point, yeah, having that feedback and buy-in from the community is mm-hmm. extremely important. Yeah, and and, and it, this this is just a Philip Washington thought question. Don't you think like a main event out here would be dope? I don't know where we would put it, but yeah, because like, it, it doesn't require a high. You know, we have high income out here. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. I. I all my African American millionaire clients live out here, so we sure. have the income, mm-hmm. you know. But but um, but you don't require it for main event. Yeah. Um, so main event went into they're they're going into Grand Prairie. Yeah. Yeah. Bush, yeah. yeah. So we're uh, is that too close? We too. Close? It may be a little too close, or, or maybe not. Uh, the other, you know, the one thing that we are bringing in is uh, urban air. Adventure uh, Park, mm-hmm. uh, which we think is a cool, more family-oriented uh, concept, mm-hmm. and especially for kids. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we discovered early on is that we need to find a way to get families back uh, to Redbird mm-hmm. for different reasons. We need to figure out a way to get people comfortable with 
um, investing uh, in the project and then also uh, identifying some of those other things that are missing in the community. Uh, and I think once we could execute on that, whether it be quality uh, residential, whether it be healthcare, whether it be jobs, I mean, I think those other like entertainment concepts mm -hmm. like Main Event and Dave and Busters and some of the other groups that we've been talked to as, long, as well as grocery stores mm -hmm. would get a lot more comfortable with the redevelopment. We got it. We got it. And you said grocery stores, and I'm sorry, Trip, but one more random thought. I, I know I did get the random thought, but what, like, I'll drive home, right, and we're in like this healthy eating thing, and uh, you know, we drive home, got to pick up kids, and I was like, man, it would be real you know how you have the gas station? Mm -hmm. Like, it would be dope to have a small, it can't be smaller than Aldi, kind of fresh vegetable type scenario outside of neighborhoods. Sure. Like, that'd be, are people yeah. doing that yet? I mean, Not yeah. yet. I, and I think you uh, you may be on to something. For, for yeah, real, I, think, right? I think that um, we're going to start seeing more of that because even Amazon has kind of changed the retail shopping experience totally. But people are always going to want a place to go get some fresh, whether it's fresh fish fresh vegetables, mm -hmm. fresh fruits, and so having something that's really convenient yeah. as opposed to going to a massive grocery store and have to navigate through there. Quick, I can pick up, take home, cook. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think that is something that we're gonna start seeing in the future. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I remember to ask you, because I was driving home like, yeah, this would make some, we got 3,000 neighborhoods, like you don't have to be that big. Right. Uh, 3,000 homes, this can make some money. So um, you talked about the vision, um, and you and it could be you may just be focused on this, and you haven't uh, really put much energy beyond it. But where, where else do you see um, you guys developing? Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll talk specifically in Dallas. I know you want to go nationwide. Mm -hmm. Do you see anything else you, you think you'd like? Yeah, to do? I, there are a couple of different areas of, of opportunities. I, I think you know probably the next wave. Uh, will be something close to where the, the Dallas Zoo is. Mm -hmm. That area has been uh, underinvested in for, for quite some time. And you know, there's been talk about doing some sort of deck park. We'll, we'll see if that happens or not. But I think that corridor is, is, is fairly attractive. I, I love what they're doing over at Wynwood Village with that redevelopment. It's, it's, I drove by today. It's, it's really attractive. It's coming on very nicely mm -hmm. so i think that corridor is pretty interesting i like the keist you know where the where the split mm -hmm. uh that's 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 pretty interesting because that's that area could be a bridge because if you think about uh, the keist uh corridor to the uh, west of 30 uh, of 67 okay. is, a, is a little bit more hispanic mm -hmm. uh, community and to the east of 35 is a more african-american rich history more historic uh, areas and find a way to bridge those together, you mm -hmm. know, so I, I like that corridor, you know, Redbird is, I think it's going to be a pretty hot market, mm -hmm. you know, al along the education corridor, which, you know, by UNT Dallas and kind of the investments that they're making there. So there's a lot of different areas in the southern half of the city, you know, you have Lancaster Keys Corridor, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what what market takes off next mm -hmm. uh, I, I like to explain redbird is kind of just one one stone mm -hmm. that has this sort of ripple effect and so you never know where that next stone is going to be thrown in but, but are, 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 are you feeling like the 
you know, you were going against the market for so long, but now, and I don't know, I'm speaking ignorant. Do you feel like the market is coming back this way now? Do you feel like more folks are like, oh, wait a minute, we're like losing opportunity? Yeah, I, I think we're probably about, yes, but I think we're still about two or three, three years out okay. before it really starts taking off where people see this, you know, the, the Oak Cliff, Redbird area is the place where they want to live. Desire to move back to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for, for last question before we get to the fun questions is, um, oh no, actually you answered that question. So these are the fun questions. What are your favorite restaurants to eat? And and, and we'll stick to Dallas, man. Your hometown. Uh, I'm a foodie, so I like to find good spots. Nick and Sam's. Nick and Sam's. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there. They, they say the steak is good. It is good. It is really good. Okay. And but there, there's two of them, right? Are there two Nick and there, Sam's? There's a Nick and Sam's group. There's two. There's two in the city, but mm-hmm. I, I typically go to the one in uptown. Okay. But yeah, it's really good. I like Del Frisco Grill too. And uh, when Abacus was open, that was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think they they changed the name to Jasper. Still the same restaurant group. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Just a side note: You been in Javier's before? I have. That place is good. It is man. good, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good food. You're yeah. making me hungry. <laughs> uh, what about when you get some downtime? What are some shows you like to binge watch? Man, that's a good one. I, I love documentaries. And so anything that has a story to it, a storyline to it. Uh, I've been watching Hopelessly uh, in Love. Is uh, I think they there's a story about... Um, the first one was uh, Left Eye and Andre Rising, right? Huh. And then the the last one was Faith Evans and Biggie. And so anything that's documentary, uh, I like. And sometimes I have to get my uh, my, my feel on, you know, some of the, the, the reality shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People give me a hard time, but I, I catch up. I hey, stay in tune with it. I like watching some drama sometimes. Have you got on Hip Hop Evolution yet? I haven't. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's on Netflix. Yeah, she, she hooked me in with the Houston episode. I was like, uh-oh, DJ Screw. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it, it kind of, it, if you watch one episode, mm-hmm. it, uh, Hit a hook because I find myself like three hours later. Wait a minute, I got stuff to do. What you doing? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, I like I like binge watching from time to time. But anything that's more documentaries, I I just really kind of just fall into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about movies? What are your favorite movies? You know, I'm not. uh, I haven't. I'm not really a big movie guy. You know, so. I want to check out Boys, uh, Bad Boys. Uh, I'm excited to check that out. And um, so it's been a while since I actually, you know, went to the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? You a movie? Yeah, I'll, I'll. Here's my rule. I'll only go to the movie to see like Marvel or Star Wars. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. If it's not Marvel or Star Wars, I catch yeah, you when catch you catch when it comes. Yeah, out. yeah, or whatever my wife want to watch. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and same, same with binge. I'm sci-fi, and uh, I'm mostly sci-fi. Uh, um, the action figures or you know like um, documentary history around mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I did all I, I probably watched every business documentary in my 20s so I don't have any more I haven't seen mm-hmm. and so and so now uh, it's more like hip hop you know culture cooking the yeah, arts so the, uh, that's interesting because like I like to do audio books too and oh, so uh, yeah. and then I, I dive in on one individual and just try to learn everything I can so one of the uh, guys I've been studying was Robert Kennedy and uh, his his story is pretty fascinating mm-hmm. you know how he started out uh, you know as graduating from Harvard and playing football but then 
uh, really becoming like the attorney, attorney general of the country and, and kind of his, how he was just kind of like a bulldog with like getting things done mm-hmm. and, and, and really taking on some of the mafia issues that was going on in the, in the country to evolve into a guy that really became passionate about property and addressing some of the concerns and needs in some of these urban blighted areas. And so his, his story really resonated with me a lot. And so, you know, uh, about figuring out who next I could study. Yeah, but. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you, how'd you pick Robert Kennedy? Because that was a random Yeah, it's, it's random, you know, it started out as JFK, so I was like, man, his story is pretty, pretty interesting. But the, the reality of it is that Robert Kennedy was probably more impactful uh, you know, than, than, than his brother, mm. which is crazy because, uh, you know, his brother was, you know, was a great president and uh, did a lot for people of color, mm-hmm. you know, with the civil rights and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, Robert Kennedy's story was really fascinating because I think what's most interesting is how he evolved as a person, mm-hmm. you know, through his life and uh, how he was willing to be bold mm-hmm. in some of the things that he would take on. If, if you um, you answer one of my questions, but if you if you want somebody to die, have you, you probably dove into him. A.G. Gaston? I haven't. You would like him. Really? It's about to be Black History Month, too. Like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you his whole story, but it's a, um, if you, he got two books, Green Power and um, uh, Black Titan, right? Okay. Kind of a play on Titan, if you ever read okay. uh, John D. Rockefeller's 800-page book. But this dude was so cold. You know, when King them was coming to um, Alabama, mm-hmm. they were staying in his hotel that he owned. Oh, he, he, really? the, the racist governor, government, <laughs> uh, you know, they had money in his bank, so he owned banks, insurance companies, real estate. His brother was cold. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, that. yeah. I know read that, yeah, that one up. Yeah. But, um, so what about podcasting? Do you listen to podcasts yet? Yeah, I listen to most of my podcasts are more spiritual, mm-hmm. uh, so I haven't really. I'm gonna start watching yours though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. That's. But I haven't really got into the the podcast as much. But I, I'm like on the audio book all day when I'm driving around. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's why I ended up. Um, uh, folks are coming on, so I dropped mine on Spotify and iTunes too, because I find myself like, you know, I like car trips or I'll run and work mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I, I do more audio now, either audio book or podcast, than I do TV. Yeah, right? same here. Yeah. Same here. I'd rather be sitting around listening to something that's, uh, this uh, this other book, I forget the name of it, but I, I've been listening to it. It's, if you're not motivated to get your life together, it gets you right. Yeah. <laughs> For real? Yeah, it's pretty good. And then there's another book I recommend. It's, uh, it's called You Can't Hurt Me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's, uh, I forget his name. But it's a, a, a young guy that talked about his journey to becoming a Navy SEAL. Oh, David. Um, David It's good. Yeah, it's just a really good read. Huh. Um, th- those are my questions, but you said something, and, I'm, and we can end on this and let everybody know how I can reach and how I can help. But um, one thing I've been searching for, and you kind of briefly mentioned it with Robert Kennedy, ha- have you found any past models? Um, where they were effective at taking a community that was underserved and mm-hmm. then effectively um, um, moving the kids from the prison route to, um, you know, the route to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the American dream, I guess we can call it. Not in my generation. Okay. I mean, I think, um, 
No. If I can go back and live in any era, I would probably want to go back and live in the civil rights era because mm -hmm. it's just it was an opportunity for people to really step step up and be bold. Where mm -hmm. you can stand on the sideline, you have to, you know, really if you if you want to see change, uh, you have to almost be radical, mm -hmm. you know. And so you had guys like you know Muhammad Ali in that era. You had like uh, you know Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, the Kennedys. Mm -hmm. So uh, people that either you love them or you hated them, mm -hmm. you know, and so it was a it was a real unsettling time for the country. You know, you had the Vietnam War. It's, it's just a lot going on. And um, to, to see how the country navigated through that, through leadership, though, like through true leadership, willing, people willing to sacrifice their lives for it. And so we haven't, I haven't seen that on that level um, in our generation. And, you know, and I think, if we want to see our community continue to grow uh, and to take that next step, you know, because there's still a lot of need mm -hmm. in, in, in these communities. It's going to take leadership, the right sort of leadership, the right sort of vision uh, to help uh, uh, people, you know, to really cross over, mm -hmm. you know, to that next step. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm from Houston, but this is where my boys are born, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm invested, and I'm like, man, we gotta, you know, I'm, I'm invested, right? right. This is my boys don't grow up, so I'm like, we gotta, sure, we gotta get it right, man. So, um, I appreciate you coming on. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, uh, well, thank you for having me. I always appreciate the opportunity just to just catch up with you. Uh, so you can reach me uh, at my website at Russell Glenn R U S S E L L G L E N dot com. And that's probably the best way to get a hold of me or, or shoot me an email at info at russellblend.com. And that's the best way. Appreciate it.